But one thing about conspiracy theorists is that you don't want to get so caught up in conspiracy theories that you start connecting dots that aren't there or you start looking for reasons to make something true, you know? And to me, like, there's so many things that we know for sure are true that we can spend time discussing and exposing. Like, it seems like in many cases, you can find examples that be like, see, this is what he meant, or that's what he meant. You know, it's, it's you know, it's like people, like when people used to say like, oh, everything happens for a reason. I say used to, people probably still say that. People, things ha- Everything happens for a reason. I would always respond, or we find reasons for why things happen. You know, it's like if I if I go through a divorce and I meet this beautiful girl and I get remarried, I'm like, oh my God, now I'm the happiest person on earth. I'd be like, oh, that divorce was meant to happen. But if I stuck it through and we made it work, I'd be like, oh, see, we were meant to get through those hiccups because it made our relationship stronger. It's like you're always finding justifications for why things happen. And, uh, you know, I don't necessarily know if I believe on a fate or a greater plan or, or whatnot, but I do understand that when humans want to believe something, we will find reasons to make that, you know, to make that believable, to justify our thinking and and uh, our logic. So Thanks for stopping by the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. I'm the host of the show, Sean Dustin. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. It's good to have you with us today. There are a couple of ways that you can help support the show, one of which is if you know somebody out there who would benefit from listening to the show or an episode in this show, send them over. I'd be happy to have them as listeners. Also, you can subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform. And if I'm currently not available on the platform you listen to, send me an email and I will try to get added to it. I have merchandise available now, hoodies, t-shirts, mugs, and other items. This is another way you can help support the show and the show will get a portion of the proceeds. You can find direct links to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, merchandise, and anywhere else we are online at the bottom of the show notes. I have a couple things to get to before we get to the uh, show. The full episode is available on, I, I Facebook lived it and I also YouTube lived it. So you can go to my Facebook page and find it, Facebook business page. Uh, also, you can go to my YouTube page or my YouTube uh, account and, and show and find it there. I cut out five minutes uh, of it, you know, so you're not missing a whole lot. Links are in my link tree in the show notes. There was a part in in that first uh, five minutes that I cut out that talks about a co-host that I had or tried to have at one point. And it's not my current co-host. I just want to clear that up. Um, This was when I first began and didn't realize that, you know, it'd probably be smarter to find a co-host that actually is in the podcasting game. So they, they know what the work is involved in it. Um, so I just needed to clear that up in case she hears this and, you know, thinking, well, why is this guy talking shit about me? Uh, that, that wasn't the case. Also the con, um, I was able to preview a documentary, a true crime documentary series called the con. It's going to be available in virtual cinemas, uh, August 7th. 
And there will also be a national live streaming event Wednesday, August 5th. So I'm going to drop a link to the uh, trailer and stay tuned. There will be more... um, There'll be more about this uh, the week of August 3rd. I will be dropping an episode that week that I'm working on. I can't really talk a whole lot about this. Um, So, yeah, just stay tuned for that. And trust me, it is well worth uh, watching it. And that's all I'm going to say about it. Uh, In this episode, I'm talking to Ricky Verandis, who is the host of the Ripple Effect podcast. And I reached out to Ricky. Well, I actually found Ricky uh, through another podcast that I listened to, which is the Tinfoil Hat with Sam Tripoli. And they did a show called The Union of the Unwanted. The reason why they started The Union of the Unwanted is because a lot of uh, people in the alternative media space and conspiracy space are getting deplatformed and, you know, getting their Patreon accounts uh, confiscated. Uh, taken away. Um, I'm not sure if they're stealing, they're taking their money and not giving it back to them. I don't know a whole lot about that. I know that Ryan Dawson, uh, who has had an issue with that, I don't know if it's resolved or not. But I mean, either way, deplatforming somebody and taking away their their source of income uh, from Patreons, you know, supporters of the show. I to me that's censorship, and that's uh, that's not that's not cool. So I reached out to him because of that, and I wanted to know a little bit more about him. I'm a fan of Ricky's, and uh, he's probably one of the bigger names that I've had on this show, and it was a pleasure to talk to him and uh, get to know him. You know, he's just a really cool dude, man. I enjoyed the conversation, and I hope that you enjoy it as well. Uh, So without further ado, let's get to the show. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and I'm your host, Sean Dustin. Today, I'm talking to Ricky Verandas from the Ripple Effect of Podcast, the Ripple Effect Podcast, and uh, we'll get a little bit to that in a second. But I want to uh, throw out a couple of announcements. Um, there is a new uh, docu series coming out that I had the privilege of uh, screening. And I, I watched the whole five-part series, and if you liked the uh, Big Short, the movie The Big Short, this is like the Big Short on steroids. Uh, it gives you, it breaks down everything, all of the players, all from, and it goes all the way back to the Great Depression, and you know how you know everything was uh, done. I don't want to give away too much of it. I think on a couple of posts, I think I I did just because I was so excited. You know how that goes when you get super excited when you watch something and it's like, oh, my God, this is going to be so amazing for people to see. And uh, literally, I I binged it six hours straight um, and I was I couldn't wait to tell the world about what I'd just seen. So this is going to be a very good uh, docuseries. Um, and, and, it, and it's coming at a very good time, too, because everybody needs to to see what's happening and what's going on with the uh, financial uh, giants and how they've really just hijacked uh, our economy, uh, the whole system and everything revolves around them in my opinion in my opinion what it seems like um they control the ebb and flow of everything and it's time for it to end you know 
I think it's time for it to end. Uh, we need we need a different society. We need a different system. I'm I'm pushing for de- direct democracy myself and uh, decentralizing everything. Uh, and and you've experienced this in in, in our community, uh, Ricky, with uh, or your community. I'm kind of new to it. I'm just like a little small fish uh, moving around the outskirts, uh, you know. And uh, yeah, you got people getting canceled off of Patreon. You've got people getting canceled off of uh, you know social media platforms because of whatever whatever it is. Uh, you probably know more about that than I do. So my guest, Ricky Verandis, how are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Ah, thanks for coming on, man. You're you're like one of the bigger bigger names that uh, I've had on so far. Uh, and how I found you was I uh, watched the Union of the Unwanted because I follow Sam Tripoli, and uh, you know I listened to all of his stuff, and I actually reached out to him uh, not too long ago, and uh, he he actually said he'd be on the show. And, uh, but he needed like two or three weeks cause he's a pretty busy guy. It's like, it seems like he's pushing out content all the time, having this and that. I'm like, dude, how do you find time to do any of this stuff? Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of making my way around. Um, I tried to reach out to the Kate awakening. I don't know what her last name is, but Kate, she's really hard to get a hold of, but, um, the whole Q thing is really interesting to me. Um, I don't, I don't know a whole lot about it. And every time I mention it, people are like, oh, those whack, crazy Q people, you know, and it's like, well, I, I, I really want to know something about it. So I was hoping I could get her on the show to explain to me and, 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 you know, the listeners, you know, what, what is Q? Cause she does a pretty good show on YouTube when she goes live and she just kind of breaks down all the Q drops. Yeah, well, you know, it's weird. It's funny that you bring this up because she was just on uh, that YouTube channel, Woke Societies, and uh, they were both on. I actually have never had direct conversation with them. I, I got to meet them a little bit and have little uh, talks with them uh, when I was putting together the first Union of the Unwanted, the big Zoom uh, conversation. And when when I did that, uh, you know, I got to be exposed to some, some of these people. I think most of them have been on Sam Tripoli's podcast. And so, you know, I subscribed to her YouTube channel. I think it was yesterday or the day before uh, Kate Awakening and Woke Societies got together and they're kind of telling each other, like telling their personal stories on when they started getting into Q and all this stuff. And uh, I was really surprised that neither of them have really been into politics or geopolitics or I guess alternative history, any of them like until of late, like a year ago, because they're very new uh, channels. And one thing that I'm seeing more and more is people who are into Q are people that just got into this, you know, like not too long ago, you know, and I almost and it, a lot of people who've been in this for a long time, like some of the guys I've, that helped me put together the, the Union of uh, um, Unwanted, Sam Tripoli, um, uh, Midnight Mike from the OBDM podcast, Charlie Robinson, who wrote uh, Dr. Puss of Global Control and has his own uh, podcast, uh, Macroaggressions. Like, none of us are in the queue. And a lot of other people that I've talked to are are, are kind of on the same boat. We're just like, well, you know, we've seen this type of thing before. We've seen, like, it's almost like, you know, it's it's a great starting point to get into it. But one thing about conspiracy theorists is that you don't want to get so caught up in conspiracy theories that you start connecting dots that aren't there or you start 
looking for reasons to make something true, you know? And to me, like, there's so many things that we know for sure are true that we can spend time discussing and exposing that, um, I wouldn't say it's a waste of time, but I, I would say that it, it's probably, it, it's, I just, I wouldn't spend, because I haven't done a show on Q. Like, I haven't done a show on Q. I, I'm sure I've had some guests on, um, you know, like Pat Miletic or, or somebody who who is into it a little bit and could uh, expand on it. But I would rather talk about like what's really going on and like historical events and situations and and uh, geopolitics or uh, you know what that type of thing. So it's just I'm kind of with you. I don't think you're missing out on anything, Sean. I think that like <laughs> it, it's probably like I think you know for the most part and people who have have kept up with it better than myself. Like, it seems like in many cases you can find uh, examples that be like, see, this is what he meant or that's what he meant. You know, it's it's you know, it's like people like when people used to say, like, oh, everything happens for a reason. I say used to people probably still say that people things have everything happens for a reason. I would always respond or we find reasons for why things happen. You know, it's like if I if I go through a divorce and I meet this beautiful girl and I get remarried, I'm like, oh, my God, now I'm the happiest person on earth. I'd be like, oh, that divorce was meant to happen. But if I stuck it through. And we made it work. I'd be like, oh, see, we were meant to get through those hiccups because it made our relationship stronger. It's like you're always finding justifications for why things happen. And, uh, you know, I don't necessarily know if I believe on a fate or a greater plan or or whatnot. But I do understand that when humans want to believe something, we will find reasons to make that, you know, to make that believable, to justify our thinking and and, uh, our logic. So, uh, you know, I think that does happen. Uh, that makes a lot of sense, um, I, you know, because uh, sometimes you just get you get so obsessed or just so focused in on on what it is that you're 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 into that it's you, you your bias no longer exists. You know what I mean? It's like oh, you know, you're just you're just all about that, and it's just what i've noticed lately is is that and not just lately it's just it just seems like everything you think is isn't what's up is down what's right is left and everything seems to be inverted and and, and it is i don't know if that's the model for the people that are still plugged in that it just works for them you know because it's with everything that's happening today um it it's really um that's what I'm looking for. It's it's just it's amazing that so many people can't connect the dots or don't want to connect the dots. Or are you afraid that if you acknowledge that this is happening that now you're responsible to do something for it and so if you just stay ignorant then then you don't you don't have to uh I guess it would like plausible deniability. Well, I had no idea. Even though you did, but if you admitted that you knew this, then, then, you know, shame on you for not doing anything about it. Well, I think ignorance is definitely bliss for some people. I've always had this internal dilemma with the fact that, okay, do some people, do they do nothing because... It's easier because going down those rabbit holes can be scary. It can be it can completely tear down some walls and make you rethink everything, you know, which I think is kind of a a better option than the other option of like, well, let me just live in this fantasy, this illusion. And at least I'm happy, you know, to, to me. You know, and I've used this metaphor in the show before where I feel like gathering information and and kind of just um 
exploring ideas it all helps me kind of like life's a giant puzzle and like with millions of puzzle pieces and you know by the end of your journey you're not going to have all those puzzle pieces together but every time you kind of learn something or understand something you can gather one more puzzle piece and you start putting the pieces together and you hope by the end of your journey that you can see a little bit of an image and and the purpose or whatever life's about like the reality of things is a little clearer. So like, you know, my life goal is to kind of gather those puzzle pieces. And that's why on my show, I have so many different types of people on. And, you know, like Sam Tripoli has said it before. And I know other people that have similar type shows uh, have uh, said it before. Where like, if we went completely down that like Q rabbit hole, we're like, hey, we're Q guys, come join us. We're, you know, like some of these Q uh, YouTube channels that which started, you know, not too long ago when Q popped up, you know, I mean, I've been I've been doing the show for six years, roughly, and that was way before Q. And I've been researching stuff way before that. So it's it's like, you know, if I wanted to to just say, hey, I'm a Q person, and then I would get all these subscribers and get all this attention and just join a tribe, and then people would be like, hey, this person's a part of my tribe. You could probably expand your show even larger, but because what really is hard to do is having a show that is open-minded to all aspects, you know, to, to everything, you know, I've had uh, professor Richard Wolf on, and then, you know, I've had who's a, who, you know, studies Marxism and, and socialism and, and he's, he's has, he, he has debates and all this stuff. And he's kind of like a, one of the leading experts when talking about those topics. And, and yet the next day I'll have like a Scott Horton on and who's a libertarian. And it's not about who's right or who's wrong. It's about just sharing ideas and exploring ideas. And uh, I think that's, that's super important. Some people just like right now, like a lot of the Fox news guys, and I know Sam said this uh, on my show not too long ago, and you probably heard it because I believe it was on one of the, the union of unwanted shows where just like Fox news has become the good guys, right? Because it's like, a lot of what's going on, like the lying about the coronavirus, the uh, the lying about the numbers, the the uh, vaccine agenda, the big pharma agenda, like that's because CNN hates Trump. Like it seems like they're more evil than the other media channels at the moment. But during like the Iraq war, like Fox News was equally as bad because they were defending their team. It was a Republican in office. They're they're defending their team. So it's like to me, it's like it's all like once a Democrat's in office, um, then, you know, uh, Fox News will will do their job of like exposing that party. If a Republican's in office, then the left will try to expose that party. And it's just like it's just a matter like at the end of the day, like it's all it's all illusion because neither of them really care about what's right or what's wrong. They're just defending their team. And sometimes defending their team means exposing some real corruption, exposing some real stuff, you know, some, uh, can I swear? I could probably yeah, swear, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, exposing some real fuckery. But the thing is like, it doesn't mean that they have a good moral compass, but that's not to say either that they can't sometimes share some good information. And And what I mean by that is, for example, sometimes when you're sharing something on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, uh, then somebody will be like, yeah, but that that's a liberal source or a website or that's conservative website or whatever. And it's like to me, it's like, yes, they might have a agenda or whatnot, but don't disregard the information like some liberal, not because he's he's actually a morally good person or or whatnot. But only because he hates the other party might actually do some some journalism and expose a, a story that's worth sharing. You know, it doesn't mean that like it, that corruption didn't happen. It doesn't mean you should discredit that corruption. Same thing with the, you know, and vice versa. Um, so there's 
people who really hated uh, Obama and just hate uh, the left who put out some good documentaries, put out some good articles about Obama's history. Like, yeah, I can't trust them or I can't believe everything they say because they do have an agenda. But I guess this goes to a deeper conversation. Don't we all kind of have an agenda, right? We all have, you know, my, I, I'd like to believe my agenda is exploring and, and, and sharing truth. Um, but truth changes and and sometimes like we have to catch ourselves like do i do do i disagree with somebody because i truly have thought this out or have i picked a team based on some information i initially got and now i'm just defending that perspective and i'm not getting to the root or or the you know why i believe something and so i think all these internal dilemmas and like self-reflecting and being able to kind of uh try to figure out why you believe something and being open to let those beliefs change are all super important. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Um, you know, it's, uh, in my opinion, it's the, the, if you go left, right, whatever, Democrat, Republican, it's two heads of the same snake. At the end of the day, the people that they serve are the donor class, and that's it. It's the people that are giving them money to get reelected, which they spend 75 to 85% of their term trying to get reelected for the next term. And, you know, whatever the small percentage of time they give to their constituents is, is a joke. You know, it should be, it should be the opposite. It should be 75% to your constituents and, you know, 25 per, or 25% to getting reelected. So. I mean, that's part of, you know, what I've really grabbed onto is, you know, we, we got to figure out a way to, to, to make a change here. Cause if we don't, we're doomed, you know, everything from agenda 21 to everything else is, is all going to come to fruition. And, you know, everybody in the truth community has been screaming this from the mountaintops from, I don't know how long, um, I, I'm going to ask you, you know, how you got into conspiracies. But for me, it's when I was uh, doing my federal, uh, I I spent time in federal prison and state prison for uh, drug trafficking and fraud. Um, And when I was fighting my case uh, in federal uh, custody, I had got the place that I was at. They allowed you to have uh, uh, little radios with, you know, earbuds. And I got hooked on uh, coast to coast. And I stayed up every night, like midnight, you know, to listen to George Norrie on, on Coast to Coast. And then when I got to uh, Sheridan, Oregon, that's where I actually uh, did my time in the Fed system. And uh, I ran into a gentleman named uh, Fritz Springmeier. And he was the author of Bloodlines of the Illuminati. And he's done other books like the Watch, Watchtower Society and, and some other stuff. He, he's done a lot of, a lot of, uh, uh, things. And I, I just looked early. He's, I guess he's got a podcast now. I need to reach out to him and, and, uh, try to hook up with him again. But there's, uh, there's a link in the chat to, uh, that book. I walked the track with this dude like every night, just like a, just like a, like a kid. Just like, oh my God, just hanging on everything that he was saying because he was like s- such a smart person and I'd never really experienced that before. You know, here I am, this, this criminal and, you know, all I know, I was, I went and I, uh, I checked, I went back and looked at it. Like, how did I not know about the, savings and loan thing that happened in 99. How did I not know about all these other things? And literally from the mid to the mid 
No, I would say the late nineties all the way up to 2010 is a blur to me. I have no idea what happened there because I was busy partying, doing drugs, selling drugs, you know? And so that's like a 20 year period of history that like I wasn't paying attention to. And like, so I feel like I'm just like this new, new birth in this space. And, uh, you know, now that I'm not, you know, inebriated all the time and, and, you know, have a, have clear focus. And, you know, I'm, I'm lucky. A lot of people don't recover from that long of a period of abusing drugs and, and, you know, they don't come out the other side, uh, fully intact mentally. So, you know, I, I feel grateful for that, but with this newfound gift and knowledge and everything else and the ability to have a platform and, 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 give people information. That's, that's what my goal is now. Um, you know, and, and a lot has to do with being a father, you know, cause what kind of a dad, yeah, you could be the best dad in the world, but if you're going to leave your children with an inherited mess in the world, what kind of a what kind of parent are you really, you know, that seems kind of selfish to me cause you're not going to be here to, to have to deal with it. Just let your kids deal with it. No, I don't want to do that. I want to do the best possible job I can in making her future in this as fair and, and, uh, uh, pleasurable as possible, you know? No, I, I completely agree with you. When I started the podcast, it was before I had any kids, but I feel like having kids only made me more passionate about it because it, it, you know, I, I always had the motivation or desire to kind of leave the world a little better than I received it and trying to do my part and doing something. I mean, that's why I called it the Ripple Effect podcast, because I wanted to truly believe that we could all start a ripple, regardless how small or big it is. It's worth starting and, and attempting to do something. And uh, and once you have kids, yeah, that only gets bigger and, and stronger, that feeling. And, you know, I'm, I'm with you. Like, it's to me, it's so important to, to do my part. Because, like you said, the, the alternative is we just leave the kids, you know, our children or whoever the young crowd is, a mess of a world. And uh, and it's much harder for them to resolve it and fix it. So if we can do our part in kind of pushing things in the right direction, then why not? You know, and that, that goes back to the whole ignorance is bliss thing. But, you know, this goes back to just the fact that, especially in America, we live these super fast paced lives. A lot of people believe it's designed on purpose, this idea of like, you know, you go to school, they teach you to be servient, they teach you to just like, you know, memorize things. It's not critical thinking skills. It's not being creative. It's not using imagination. It's all about just memorizing stuff. And it's like getting a good job. It's like, you know, in one of my songs, I remember saying it's like a a sabotaged American dream, like this idea that the American dream is like you get this white picket fence, you get this house, you get this good paying job. But so many people get that stuff and realize, like, holy shit, I was I was sold uh, a bag of lies because this isn't bringing me happiness. Like, and this isn't happiness for everybody. Some people that might be happiness for them. That might be all that they want or need in life, and that's okay too. But it's not not everybody's the same, and not everybody wants the same thing. And to get those things, sometimes there's a price to pay, and that price is sacrificing your personal time, sacrificing a. a, a maybe your relationship with your friends or family, because the problem with, you know, a capitalistic society is that it's all about making more money. It's like, okay, you get promoted. Now what's the next position that pays more? What job will pay me more? And there's a price to pay for all that. There's, um, you know, more hours at work, more stress at work, which means you come home 
And you might take it out on your wife. You might take it out on your kids. You might take it out on your friends. You might not always be in the best of moods. You might not get enough sleep or have enough energy to pursue some of the hobbies or things you enjoy, like podcasting or playing sports or whatever it may be. So all these things come with a sacrifice. You know, it's a, there's a video on YouTube called Free is a Lie. And it's about uh, kind of Google and big tech and how they give you all this free services and how it's a, it's a lie. Like, well, you know, th there are things that you're sacrificing and it really goes into detail on how they manipulate you or whatnot. It's a really good video. But uh, so is a lot of other things in life. You know, a lot of stuff is a lie. You know, it's like when you, when you, uh, you know, w w the fact that money will bring you happiness, the fact that life's about, you know, getting a good career uh, and, and just kind of paying your bills and being just, and that's good enough. You know, uh, that's a lie. The idea of always wanting more, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I think competition can be good. And I think that it can help us uh, give us some type of motivation to try to do better. But I also think being content's a good idea too. You, like, I think that we spend a lot of time worrying about or wanting or being envious of other people who have more and not enough time just being content and being satisfied and, and just enjoying what you do have. And it's all about perception. You know, it's like if I if I live in like a really rich, rich uh, town and I have the smallest house on the block, I'm going to like I'm going to be envious of everybody else who has a newer car and bigger house and all this stuff. Or, you know, I could live in a maybe a town that's more middle class or lower middle class and have an average size house or, uh, you know, or maybe whatever. And everybody kind of has similar houses and you're just, and you're fine, you know, and, and you don't feel like you're, you're as envious. And they've done studies where, you know, when the, the richest and the poorest people, that gap is further, uh, there's more anxiety, depression, addiction, all that stuff because of, you know, and it's because of that, because you're, you're more envious of those who have much more than you. But when that gap is smaller, uh, there's less of those issues. And and I think, you know, it's because you're not envious of those things. You know, the, they, they've said that, you know, I think it's like 60 or 70,000 a year. Like that's where you, your happiness increases. And then once you get to like 60 or $70,000 a year, your happiness, it really doesn't have any effect on your happiness if uh, you're making more or less money. And uh, so I, I don't even think that money brings happiness. What I think it does is relieve stress, right? So if you're making very little money, you're freaking out about like, how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to eat? You know, um, all this stuff. How am I going to um, have money for my health issues? If I have any um, a car issues, whatever it may be. And then once you get, you know, you make enough money where those things aren't really concerns, then after that, you realize like, holy shit, money doesn't bring me happiness. It just relieved some life stresses, some, uh, you know, some other responsibilities that that was uh you know freaking me out or i was concerned about so yeah I, I i think that like a lot of times we're just sold you know we come to america a lot of us are, are foreigners and immigrants or come from foreigners and immigrant uh families you come to america to pursue money and financial gain and you leave a simpler life that maybe you didn't have all those things like the the big house or uh you know a new car or whatever but you're happier. And my parents are a perfect example of it. They came, I was born in Portugal, Northern Portugal, like farmland. And my parents came to America really young. I was four to pursue like, you know, financial gain. Oh, you can come to America where there's more work and there's more money to be made and all this stuff. And then they're just stressed out of their fucking minds, you know? And a lot of times my dad wished he was back in Portugal, not because, you know, um, you know, not because uh, there's anything wrong with America per se, but it's because of the lifestyle 
that he was sold was going to bring him happiness. You know, this idea of like, come to America, you work your ass off and you're going to get all these things. And it's like, okay, well, now I'm working my ass off and I'm stressed out about like getting things done on time, you know, just, um, uh, getting very little sleep, working longer hours, you know, never being able to punch out and I have to work on Saturdays and, you know, and, and that's completely acceptable. And then you look at Europeans and they say, oh, well, there's look how lazy they are, you know, or look how everything's socialist and, and, and they don't work as much. They don't have as much. It's like, well, I have family in Portugal. Yeah, they don't have as much, you know, financially, but they have a lot of fucking free time and happiness and and memories and time to to spend with their their family and and laughing and and just enjoying each other's company like to me it's like I don't know. Maybe they have it right and we have it wrong. I mean, you, you go to Europe, things are close for, you know, uh, besides like, you know, when you go out for lunch, like almost everything's closed besides like restaurants and ca- coffee shops and uh, for hours, you know, and, and most people don't work on weekends unless it's a restaurant or whatever. Uh, you have months out of the year that people get off. I mean, when you have a kid, uh, both the wife and the husband or, well, you don't have to be married, but uh, the, the parents of the uh, children have time off uh, when the kid's born to kind of help with the, their development or whatnot. I mean, in America, it's like, oh, you have a week off, go back to work. You should be back to work. Why aren't you working? You know, it's like the idea of being a stay home mom. But this all goes into like the greater, uh, I guess, uh, architectural engineering of our society. When you look at, you know, we, cre- we created uh, a system where it's, school systems that basically just tell you to memorize stuff and don't be creative and don't think outside the box. Uh, we Those school systems raise our kids. They influence our kids more than the parents do because the parents should be at work or so or the kids are going to daycare or they're being raised by their grandparents or or, uh, you know, some they get sent off to some camp or whatever it may be. So it's like the influences of the parents on the children are minimal, you know, so who's influencing them? And that's like the, the system we designed, you know, the system is influencing them because they're the ones who are raising them. And and uh, to me, it's always been super important to have as much influence as I can on my kids. And that means like be around them as much as possible. When the lockdown happened, I had friends that were like, oh, this is awesome because I got to spend more time with my kids and I, I normally do. This is, I've actually really enjoyed it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm on that boat. I agree, but my life didn't change that much because I already spent a lot of time with my kids. So when the lockdown happened, I still went to the office and, and kept up with paperwork a, a little bit. But yeah, I got a couple more hours a day of uh, family time uh, daily. But I, you know, I uh, I always made sure I had you know a significant amount of time uh, w- with my family and actually tr- to having those conversations, those one-on-one interactions with your, with your kids and, and, uh, and just reminding them that you love them and talking to them about whatever, you know, they're curious about and all those things. And I, you need that. You need that. Cause if you're not influencing them, what the fuck is it influencing them? You know, it's TV, it's, it's commercials. It's, uh, you know, which is all designed to, to get you to buy stuff. I mean, this all goes to the history of Edward Bernays and propaganda. You know, I'm sure you're aware of that, you know, the nephew of Sigmund Freud wrote the book propaganda, all his tactics and techniques are what they use for marketing. The only difference is they don't, you know, they don't call it propaganda because the word is uh, frowned upon. But um, but it is it's propaganda. It's getting you it's brainwashing. You know, it, it's uh, marketing is brainwashing. There's a great Canadian documentary. And I had somebody from the documentary on years ago called The Corporation, and they spend like years putting it together and they really break down all the science psychology that goes into corporations getting you to 
buy something you don't really need. You know, all the algorithms um, now with uh, with Facebook and Twitter and you know, they uh, Silicon Valley hires more psychologists than like anybody now. You know, it's just like they they want people who understand how the brain works and how to manipulate the brain. You know, it's not, and they're, and they're constantly doing social experiments with like, you know, Facebook, some studies have been, uh, I think, uh, exposed that they were doing certain things like changing the algorithms or what you were seeing to analyze kind of how, what your next response was or how you were feeling and all this stuff. So they, they're constantly doing studies on what the hell's going on and how these things affect you. So it's almost an unfair advantage when your child is addicted to some snack or your child is addicted to a tablet, like have a little bit of remorse because of the fact that like it's an unfair advantage. You have a three-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old, eight-year-old, whatever your old uh, child, which is fighting his, he's fighting his, his, uh, his desires are being influenced and motivated and, and fighting against scientists, psychologists, people who are studying how to keep you addicted to this machine or this thing. So it's, uh, you know, it, it, it is scary. And, and that's why a lot of times with my kids, I, you know, I, I try to be remorseful. You know, I try to be like, hey, you know what? Like he, he can't put on he can't put his tablet down. But these games that he's playing or whatever videos that he's playing were all designed to make it hard to put down. So and he's only five. So it's like, how do how am I going to, you know, um, addiction is a real thing. And people get uh, addicted to social media they get it i mean how many people you know just spend all day just scrolling on you know social media not because they're looking for anything specifically but just because that that app and those algorithms and and uh you know are just giving you serotonin dumps and you know that's a reason why facebook doesn't give you like most things you know they give you thumbs up they don't give you thumbs down because they want you to get these happy chemicals. Like every time you get a notification from Facebook, you're excited because it must be a good thing. You know, it's a thumbs up. It's a, you know, it, you know, so it, it gives you more of the positive, uh, you know, motivation to, to go back on. So it's, um, you know, it, it just it really is brainwashing coming at you from all different directions. And people need to be aware of this. And hopefully, you know, with podcasts, with uh, YouTube, and and hopefully other alternatives, because, you know, DLive is getting more popular for alternative media, uh, other different platforms, we can, uh, you know, we can we can kind of fight back. But that's why censorship, and you said you, you heard about my podcast from uh, the Union of the Unwanted, it, it, censorship was really one of those topics I'm the most passionate about because of the fact that what good is it exploring ideas what good is it having people do all this great research and having all this good information out there if people can't find it you know so i think uh you know it's really one of those or even like like i was talking about all the influences from corporations media um you know all the brainwashing that goes into you know uh what we see on tv and and, and commercials and and all this stuff like people can only fight back against that and prevent you know, themselves or their children or their families from being brainwashed if you know what's happening. But, you know, like one of my favorite quotes, it's easier to trick somebody than convince them they've been tricked. It's uh, it's really hard to snap people out of things. But, um, you know, but that's why I know I know you're kind of you say you're kind of new to the podcast world. But when Charlie Robinson said, hey, you know, told me he was starting a podcast. And he's like, oh, and I know everybody's going to say like, oh, you know, like that's what we need. Another podcast. I'm like, Charlie, no, no, no. That's the wrong attitude. We need more podcasts. Like mm -hmm. the more the merrier. I'm constantly telling people start podcasts. I, I tell people all the time you need advice. Contact me, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, however it may be. Uh, I'll I'll help you in any way I can. If that's give you advice, give tell you what I do. Um, I mean, I'm an idiot. So I'll tell you what I do 
do, but it not might not necessarily be the the best way going about it. But at least it gives you, uh, you know, just kind of some initial instructions to kind of get things started. If you need help with any anything, like you know, the more of these conversations that are out there, the better. You know, we're all starting a ripple. We're all doing something, and um. You know, maybe somebody might not find my podcast, but they might find your podcast. Maybe somebody might not find this conversation. They'll find some other. So it's like the more that are out there, the more likely people are going to hear these conversations. And and the cool thing, and you're going to you're going to learn if you haven't already learned already, is that people are pretty cool in the podcast uh, uh, community. Like it's not about like putting other people down or whatnot. We all help each other because we all kind of even if we could disagree on some specific topics, for the most part, we all uh, we all just want to do the same thing, and that's explore ideas and and spread truth and uh, and just have interesting conversations. Yeah, I, I agree one hundred percent. And uh, you know, it, it to go back a little bit to what you were saying, I th- I think the problem is is that most people don't uh, we're not present, uh, we're and we're not content. And, and that's, you know, and that's by design, you know, that's why everybody, you know, when you get a raise, you want to upgrade your life. You know, you could, you could be putting that money into a, uh, into savings or, or something, but instead you went out and got, you know, a, a, a toy, a new jet ski or, or something else, which is, you know, all you're owning is debt. You never, you never own anything. You just, you own debt and you're always, I feel like most people are always on the wrong side of, uh, of, uh, compound interest. Um, <clears throat> you know, and, and that's, they don't teach us that. And that's by design too. They don't teach it in school what, how to, how, what compound interest is and, and how to be on the winning side of it. Because then that wouldn't, that wouldn't benefit the banks. They need a stupid and, and, and mindless consuming of things, uh, in order to keep their, their, uh, uh, people you know their board of directors and and the people their stockholders happy um so yeah it's uh it's definitely a great thing uh podcasting i've had a lot of fun with it i've been doing it about a year and a half now i'm 50 episodes in in and uh i you know we were talking about this earlier before i actually started recording the uh, uh the podcast portion of this um but it, it's, uh, you know, it, it's definitely a, a fun thing and it's a creative outlet. I think everybody needs some sort of a creative outlet in their life because we're creative beings, you know, some of us are, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of creatives. There's a lot of, I think there's three personality types or four personality types in, in a business that make a successful business. You have a creative, you have a numbers person, and then, uh, there's a couple of other ones that go along with that, but uh, creatives are definitely, uh, needed in this world. Um, so let's talk. Well, they, 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 well I was, I was just going to say they've done studies on, uh, on kids being creative. Uh, like there's a, a thing where like when kids were really little, um, I don't know what I'm, I'm going to get the specifics wrong, but you'll get the idea of, of what I'm saying. So when kids were really little, like maybe third grade, second grade, whatever it may be, they would ask them like, okay, how many of you are creative or, uh, may, I don't, I don't remember the exact question, but it revolved around like being creative or maybe, um, have imagination or like art or something like that. And like all the kids put their hands up and like every grade, like less kids put their hands up. And I think, you know, what, what we learned from that, and it's something that I've already kind of assumed for long periods of time is that we all are creative and have imagination when we're little. But what happens is that the system says, Hey, what a waste of time drawing is what a waste of time painting is what a waste of time um you know playing music is like focus on 
you know, science and math or, or, uh, you know, whatever it may be, you know, uh, um, business, you know, just because that's going to get you a good job. And it's all about, and this goes back to the same, the same thing. It's all about getting that good job, everything, you know, like, you know, I, I think it sounds like you have a daughter. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I do. I do too. And, uh, so, you know, I've thought about this for like, you know, you think about it, right? Like if your daughter had two boyfriends, right. And our two boys that like her and they had, one was a struggling musician that plays bars, but loves what he does and is a super, you know, uh, nice dude, but, do, you know, kind of maybe still lives at home or doesn't have the, fi- you know, his fi- finances uh, all worked out. And the other one's like this investment banker who drives, a, uh, you know, a S-class Mercedes and, you know, has uh, already bought his first house when he was 18 or whatever. Uh, you'd be like, hey, don't waste your time with that, dude. Get You know, it's like we, we we're constantly we don't even realize it, but we're constantly helping this narrative that financial wealth is the most important thing where like the creative person is kind of looked down upon, you know, and, and that's kind of uh, just a, a symptom of our society. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I was, I was uh, watching my daughter cause she's, she's an only child. So and me and my ex, we co-parent. So I have her sometimes she has her sometimes and I was watching her and she's almost three, not quite three. And she's just carrying on having conversations with Bingo and Rolly from Puppy Dog Pals. And like, come on, Bingo, come on, Rolly, let's go. And like, she just literally sits there and entertains herself and has these imaginary like scenarios going on all over the place. And I, and I was like, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, huh, I wonder if only children are more creative because they have no other sibling around them to uh you know to distract them or to like you know get into stuff together they're not using their brain to uh i don't i don't know in in that in that sort of way it, it was just really interesting to me when i was watching her and uh i was just like man that's that's really cool I, it's really cool just to to watch a child grow up and watch their personality develop and like you're just it's like unfolding right in front of you who who this little person is going to become and you have direct effect and direct uh ability to kind of form that and be a part of it and you know what do i want her to know you know how do i want her to grow up and uh it's just it's a huge responsibility um if you if you take it seriously like that yeah no it, it is a huge responsibility it's so much i think it was brian callen who once said like you know every kid is going to have some trauma like and you don't even know what's going to cause it you know i think and, and there's a lot of people who have said this that uh, you know i've talked about this where it's just like so many things the way you know in regards to how we we treat things or treat our kids the way we discipline them or don't discipline them what we choose to be hard on them about or not like conversations we have with them like we don't know exactly how they're taking that all in their perception of it and there could be some trauma coming from it you know like i have like a, a little bit of trauma in regards to money right like so when my parents came to america uh we we're poor and we didn't really have anything so Money was always like my mom was always like finding ways to save money. It was always about like we couldn't get the best of anything. And uh, it, 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 it to me, it bothered me how how much money consumed our lives and conversations. And it was constantly 
something we're stressing about and thinking about. So now I try to think about it as little as possible to the point where like it kicks me in the ass sometimes. Like I'll just like, I, I like don't even want to think about bills. I don't want like, as long as I have enough money where they're paid and then like, and it, I don't have to think about it anymore. I'm good. Like, it's just like, I don't, I, I have my wife look at the mail. I hate looking at mail for the same type of thing. You know, it's like, I just want to, I want to think about other things. Like, I don't want to think about like that. Like, and, and I think, a lot of it has to, and, and I would be so much better with my money. Like I'm, I'm an idiot. I'll just like, you know, I'll, 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 I'll buy something and I'm like, fuck, I shouldn't have bought that. That was a waste of money. I, I, you know, like I bought the wrong thing and I'm like, Oh, well, I won't return it. Cause it's too much trouble. And there's other stuff I'd rather do, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, and I'll just, I mean, here's a ridiculous example recently. So like my kids have really got into WWE wrestling since the lockdown because literally there's nothing else on. So we just binge watch like old WWE <laughs> stuff on uh, on on the app. And I grew up watching it because when you have immigrant parents, it's one of those things where when you're a foreigner, we can all kind of enjoy because we don't really need it. Like my parents didn't really need to know the, the language to kind of see what was going on and kind of get the storylines. So it was cool to go back and watch all that. Well, um, one of my favorite wrestlers was Rob Van Dam growing up. So my kids like, why isn't Rob Van Dam in this video game? You know, because we just started playing it or whatever recently, playing video games recently um, as a family. And uh, so, I, like, apparently it was in, like, 2018 was the last one that he was in. So I ordered the game. And uh, and then come to find out, like, this uh, WWE put the servers down so you can't download them anymore. So I ended up buying like the whole package like a dumbass before I even put the game in there. I'm like, oh, let me just get all the uh, extra guys. So I like bought like another like twenty dollar, thirty dollar package for all the downloadable guys and 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 um, have everybody available. And then come to find out, I can't use any of that, and and I can't get Rob Van Dam in the game. So we'll we'll never play the game. And uh, it was like. 30 bucks for the game or 40 bucks for the game. Another like 30 bucks. for, And I'm just like, I'm like, I really should put some time in trying to like, you know, get some of my money back. But I'm just like, uh, I guess it's just, it is what it is. You know, like I just move on to the next thing. And it's, it's it, it like, it took me a while to realize like why I'm like this. And, and the more I've analyzed my life and my upbringing, it's because of that trauma of money being an issue. And I just don't want to stress about it. Like I, I try so hard to, like self-reflect and try to like have a uh, control of my, my, uh, my anger. And not that I have an anger problem, but like we all, you know, we all have a fuse that sometimes gets short or whatever, especially for kids. And, uh, and so it, it is one of those things where like, you know, I exercise, like I went to the gym this morning. Um, thank God they're open again. And, but it's a therapy thing, you know, it's, it's a, uh, it's about like getting some of that tension off, getting some of the, you know, and then I'm a much better person, because I don't have this built up uh, just energy that builds up and then I end up snapping on somebody or, or, or whatnot. But um, so, yeah, so I avoid I avoid like any of these, uh, you know, the money stresses because of that stuff. And I'm always thinking about like, OK, well, how am I like certain ways I'm handling things like what's the long term effects of that? Right. Like well, when he gets older, he's going to be like, you know what, dad, like you handle that well. Or he's going to be like, you know what, I'm like this now because you you did this when I was, you know, young or whatever, you know, and, and sometimes you meet people, right. And they have weird things about them. Like they, they don't like a specific food or they don't, um, you know, it's something weird about them and you, you get to know them. You're like, Oh, that's why you're like that. Or that's why that bothers you, you know? Yeah. So it's like, like you said, it becomes such an important job and I'll try to bring it back around. Cause I go on <laughs> these long rants. Uh, it's, it's such an important job because of the fact that, 
we don't need, we're not even sure like we have to really think out everything we do because we're not even sure how it's going to affect them yeah yeah no for sure uh i was the other day you know i i she was wanting to do some she was doing something she likes to take her clothes off and run around naked right and i i live in a fifth wheel and uh you know because i didn't want to like right now when I split up with my ex, it wasn't a good time to, uh, to buy a house. And I, I don't even think it's a good time to buy a house right now because nobody's working and, and th- that's going to be a, a huge thing. I think here in the next couple of months, once all this, uh, the 31st happens and everybody start, stops getting that free money. Um, and they have no job to go back to and people start getting evicted. We're going to, we're going to see, we're going to see a mess happen, I believe. But, um, I was, uh, just so I'm, I'm outside talking to the person next to me and all of a sudden here she comes darting down, down the stairs, nothing on running around. And it was like, and I couldn't catch her cause she was running around the whole, the, our, the, uh, the trailer, which is like 40 feet long. And I'm like, um, oh, you know, I'm trying to like figure out how to get her. Cause as soon as she sees me coming around this way, she runs around this way. And it was like very frustrating. And, uh, I finally, I got her and I like picked her up and I set her in and I'm like, sh- shut the door. And she, I could hear her in there just crying and I had to go in there and I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be, get upset with you. I, you know, and it's like you, she, she understands that stuff, you know, like she, she, she can articulate at that age that I hurt her feelings. And like, I don't even, I don't remember even like, I don't even remember being that young, you know, let alone being able to like tell somebody they hurt my feelings, um, or, or whatever. So it's like, oh man, I got to really be careful of like how I let my frustration, uh, manifest itself in front of her, you know? Well, that, and, and also you you never know what conversation or what thing in life is going to stick with you. I mean, how many of us have like weird, like just certain things, like a, 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 a short conversation you had with somebody or some life event that happened when you, you were young. And like you said, like a lot of times you don't even remember being that young, but there'll be somebody might bring something up and you'll be like, all of a sudden it sparks a memory. And you're like, oh, wait, like, I remember that when I was a kid, like that specific thing. And you never know why, you know, yeah. so it's a, it's really, really interesting that things that influence kids and all these things are w- one of the reasons why, like you said, and I completely agree with you, like parenting is the most important job ever. Mm-hmm. Like I could suck at all my other things I do in life and I'm okay with that. But as long as I'm like trying to get better and trying to do the best job possible at parenting, then I don't give a shit about everything else because like those kids mean the world to me and how they develop and me trying to do my best job uh, to, to try to make them interesting, fun, loving people like is super important. Make them uh, try to understand right and wrong. It will help them be creative, help them, um, you know, just pursue any curiosity they might have. Like all that stuff is, is super important to me. And, uh, and really the only thing that outlasts our material bodies is, uh, you know, is our legacy, what people yeah. think of us, the way we treat the people. And, uh, you know, these podcasts, I've thought about, uh, you know, in regards to my kids and I'm, and I'm sure you probably thought about it too, how interesting it, it'll be to like one day our kids will be adults and they'll be able to go back and like listen to hours and hours of their dad have conversations. Like 
I, I've like I thought about like my father, like who is my father in his twenties? You know, like who is my father in his thirties? Like, can I hear conversations? Like, what if he had a podcast and I could like sit down and actually just hear him mm-hmm. have conversations and just see how his like ideas developed or or what he thought about parenting? You know, at the time, you know, in his life and 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 those type of things. It's like it's really unique. You know, it's it's a it's a unique thing to be able to to give our kids just that, like a, a really. A, a personal look of who their parents were when they were little. You know, they might not remember specifics about us right now, you know, once they get older, but to be able to go back and actually like hear us talk, hear us have conversations, kind of, uh, you know, be able to explore who we were as people and maybe how we change or, or whatnot. Like it's really, really interesting. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, I, 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 I like, I love podcasting for that very, that very uh, reason is like, I like listening to shows that are, are new sometimes because it's, you're not, not only are you, you know, just getting introduced to something do, new and different and a different person, but you're actually growing with that show because from episode one to episode 50, if you listen to mine, you can hear the evolution of the show and it takes on a life of its own. Because once you get out there, and it's, I'm going off a little bit, but we'll we'll circle back around. But once you once you uh, once it starts getting momentum, and you start making connections in the podcast community, which I agree with you is very it's a very supportive community. One that I blew blew my mind how how quickly people are are there to help you and give you information and and all of these other things. Uh, and which I, I return to just like you, you know, you got some questions on something and, you know, or you need some help, you know, give me a call. We'll, we'll schedule a zoom, uh, or, you know, meeting and we can share, I can screen share and actually run you through it. Uh, how to actually, you know, maybe edit out the, uh, DS or, or, you know, whatever, whatever thing that you don't know about. Uh, it's amazing, man. And, and not only are you growing with the show, you're growing with the host. Because a host is growing as well because he's getting, he or she is getting exposed to different ideas, different people, different perspectives. And like, I'm not married to anything. All right. I'm, I'm no scholar. I'm, I'm, you know, uh, wasn't a very good drug dealer when I was one. Uh, you know, and, and so I, I just, uh, if, if, if I think something, and you have some information that can counter how I think and it's credible and it makes sense and it's factual. I'll change my mind about what I'm thinking and, and, you know, retract anything that I may have said, because like I said, I, I don't know everything. Um, I have ideas of, of what I think. Uh, I, I'm really good at picking up patterns, especially patterns in, in society and, and, and what's been happening. Uh, but I mean, as far as like being researched and like people that are, that are really good researchers, I'm envious of because it's, it's a very difficult to, to do that. Like a lot of these documentaries that you watch and they go back and they, have you know snippets of this and how they put them together it's like god damn how'd you get all that like it, i know it i knew it probably take a long time but like the way they lace it together is amazing and, and like i'm super envious of it like i know how to video edit and do stuff like that but i i, I like look at that and i got damn I don't, I don't think i could ever do that i probably could if i well, tried 
Yeah, you definitely could. I mean, I, and it's fun. Like, it really is. Like, I know when when I have, like, certain guests on and then I'm like, oh, let me just, you know, do some research and maybe re-listen to an uh, old interview with them or whatnot. And, uh, you know, because that's one thing I like about having certain guests on is I, I love the casual conversations. But if I have somebody on like Whitney Webb and I know we're going to talk about Epstein, I'll, I'll kind of go down that Epstein rabbit hole again and I'll search some stuff. And then you find like one name that Whitney uh, mentioned or somebody mentioned a documentary. So you search that name, you find out they're connected to that. So then you go to that company and then you find out who else is working for this company. And it's like you feel like an investigative journalist, like you feel like like a detective and it's and it's fun and it's not just fun it's actually pretty easy. Like it's pretty easy to, to just do your research and find this stuff. Like a lot of this stuff is like public knowledge, you know, it's, it's, you know, the connections, the, you know, like Bill Gates, for example, you know, J James Corbett did a great documentary on B the Bill Gates uh, story from everything from like his vac vaccination agenda to depopulation agenda, all this stuff. And, uh, J you know, anybody who listens to my show knows who James Corbett is. He's been on my show uh, since the beginning, you know, talking about like super nice people. I mean, he was on like episode, I don't know, seven or something like that, you know, and uh, and since then has been on a bunch of times and we've uh, really uh, become friendly since. And um, and he, he does amazing, amazing, amazing research. But one thing we talk about all the time is like this stuff is just out there. Like, you know, the, his influence on, uh, you know, with or his relationship with Big Pharma or whatever, like all these things are out there. You look at like PNAC, the Project for New American Century. You look at like uh, Brzezinski and, and the Grand Chessboard. Like a lot of these people, the elite talk about like how America has to have influence in the Middle East and geopolitical strategies and and all this stuff. I mean, a lot of this stuff is is, is out there. But, you know, this goes back to like, well, you should be pursuing financial wealth and f financial gain. Don't worry about that stuff. You know, just like worry about, you know, yourself and, and, and making money and, and going on your vacation, watching your mindless sports, which I think, you know, there's a need for that stuff, too, because it's nice to unplug and give your brain a, a break from time to time. You know, I, when I had uh, Darren Van Dam from uh, Flip Connection YouTube channel, he was talking about how sometimes he just likes to watch a really dumb movie or something that's just like just um action because it just feels nice to just kind of not have to dissect what's going on in the movie and character development and all this stuff it's just like it's mindless entertainment and i think sometimes we do we do need that but um it, it's you know doing that type of investigation and doing that type of stuff you know with with the power of the internet like we have everything right there you know at one point universities had a, like a monopoly on information you know like you wanted to get the best books access to the best professors you had to go to a, a, a expensive college and now you'd be like well fuck your college or fuck your phd i don't care if you have a diploma or whatever like I uh I can get all the same science information you got. You know, I didn't have to go to Harvard. I didn't have to go to Stanford. I didn't have to go uh, to any of these places. And um and yet I can read all the same studies you're reading. I can hear really intelligent people's interpretations of those studies or or whatnot. So it's like we really like you literally can become an expert in anything you want just with the with the internet. I mean, it's obviously with Google and censorship, and this goes back to like this recurring theme of the importance of of uh, fighting back against censorship. But you know, use DuckDuckGo, use some some other alternative, and and if you uh, if you look hard enough, hopefully you can find these other uh, these other options to uh, to Google and 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 YouTube or whatnot. But uh, you know, now there's Parlay, which is um, uh, 
a Twitter alternative. It's supposed to be unbiased, uncensored, and a bunch of people are jumping on there. I'm on there now uh, at the same uh, thing at RV Theory Six, my same uh, handle as Twitter, and it's pretty. I mean, it's pretty cool. I like it. I hopefully it stays uncensored. But the more censorship that happens in these other platforms, the more likely a alternative is going to come about and and get attention. Because if Twitter wasn't, if Twitter, YouTube, and Google wasn't like there's a little bit of censorship but it wasn't that bad if a new alternative came you'd be like you'd be like you know what i you know it's not that bad i can still do enough research on here the censorship isn't so bad um but now it's gone to the point where like people are asking for alternatives they want alternatives and when a decent alternative comes about people are gonna take advantage of it i mean so many people are on float and on d live and on all these uh, different alternatives and looking for alternative ways to connect with one another that it's just a matter of time before one of these really take off. I mean, at the height of MySpace, you would like, nobody would ever assume it become what it is today. You know, like that, uh, you know, some people who are listening now who are younger than us probably have never even heard of MySpace, but you know, it, it's, it, it's kind of like the the joke of social media now, you know, like I've seen Tripoli joked around and said, let's all go back to MySpace, you know? And, uh, and he's like, you know, and, and I mean, it kind of, it almost makes sense because they already have a platform. They already, we kind of know how it works. And, um, it, but you know, who, who to say that they wouldn't, censor some things too if uh once they got big enough to do so but you know when you look at spotify you know the reason why the joe rogan spotify deal was so interesting was the fact that he probably went there because he has a problem with youtube because of his censorship on youtube because of his his uh videos being taken off because they played a little clip of a song or a video or whatever and all the censorship on youtube uh really bothered him and people closer to, to him you know than not than i am because i don't i don't know him personally but uh, I know people who, who are close to him. And, you know, I've had Eddie Bravo on my show, Sam Tripoli. These people know him personally. It seems like the I'm getting the feeling that people really think the the censorship of YouTube was a big reason why he he's either sought out a alternative or why he entertained uh, a alternative. And that's Spotify. And, and Spotify supposedly is going to be different. They're, they're going to have a video, a video platform and it's going to be uh, different than than what YouTube does. Uh, so let's hope it does. And and YouTube might have to tone down their censorship because if they don't, now you do have Spotify, hopefully, eventually. And you'll be like, well, you know what? They have a big platform, too. If you're going to censor me, then I'm just going to go over here to Spotify. And YouTube might be like, OK, well, now we, maybe we have to take a step back. Because at the end of the day, it's either a evil motivation of like, you know, they have a a what they consider truth and they're censoring anything that's that's outside their truth what they think is is factual information or uh it's all financial and they're just saying hey this con- these controversial things are, are are gonna hurt our marketing or hurt our uh, bottom line so uh you know so we're gonna censor you but that if it's the financial motivation might go away because that once people start leaving and they start losing money because of the censorship, then, you know, because a lot of these big corporations, they don't really give a fuck about what's right or wrong. It's about what the bottom line. So, you know, it's the same thing with like organic food, for example. You think they really people like all these big companies really give a shit about your health. They don't. They're, they, they'd sell you crack cocaine if uh, if it was legal to and it was a moneymaker. Like, you know, they're selling you organic because the population, the public said, we want organic, we're willing to pay for it. So now they're doing it, you know, so suits and ties said, Hey, you know what? Like, you know, people actually want this now. So let's have a uh, organic, uh, food line, you know, uh, or, or, or brand. Um, 
And that's what what's motivating a lot of this stuff where that's and that's the thing. Like we do have power. We do have power by, uh, you know, if it's our money, if it's our influence, if it's our outrage, sometimes uh, we do have influence on what's going on in the world. And and believing the alternative is a very dangerous way of thinking. You know, the idea that, uh, you know, we can't do anything, you know, that. That's why I called my show the Ripple Effect Podcast. It's like I keep trying to push this idea that we can all do something. You know, when when people like yourself talk about like you know you, you talk about my show, like I'm like I'm just a dude like you, man. I'm I'm uh I'm just like I, I I feel. And one day you're gonna be asked for an interview, and you're gonna be like, wait, me like Sean? Like why the fuck do you want to talk to me on your show? <laughs> you know, it's like that's that's how I feel every time somebody asks me for an interview or somebody says that I'm one of these like established podcasters. I'm like, you know, my show has become the perfect example of the ripple effect. Like I literally just like you started in in this basement, you know, I had some music equipment started doing my show and, uh, and little by little, I, uh, the people in the podcast community were super nice and willing to come on. And, um, and people just like, you know, maybe they just enjoyed the casual conversation. I mean, maybe they just, whatever it may be, uh, it just little by little started growing with a lot of help from, you know, and it was a lot of help. I mean, people like Sam Tripoli, people like, um, you know, James Corbett, especially initially uh, helping expose my work to his his network of uh, of, uh, of fans or whatnot, even though they, you know, they're not a huge fan of all the swearing that happens on my show because he, <laughs> he's, very, he's very clean. But uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it really it, it's we all we're all helping each other. And some people like like a uh, Sam Tripoli who has a background of being a comedian or whatever, he kind of has a foundation to kind of build on. But there's a lot of people like James Corbett who feels just like you and I, that he feels like a regular dude who's just motivated by doing his part. And it just happened that he grew this, you know, this giant empire and become one of the gold standards of alternative media. But, you know, I'm sure he still feels every time people compliment him, he feels a little awkward and weird. Like, I'm just a person who just doing some research and just putting out this, this work and, and doesn't feel like he's doing anything, um, you know, special in regards to like, I'm not this special person. I'm just like, you know, doing my part. And I, I, and that's the, the message that I think, you know, is really important to put out there is that we all can do, do it. Like we all can, can do something and you never, you really don't ever, I mean, I had, I've had Jesse Ventura on, I've had free, free Rick Ross. I've had, uh, Roger Stone on in the past. I've had Jack Abram up. I mean, I've had these guests that, you know, Colonel Lawrence Wilkerson, who was chief of staff for Colin Powell in the White House. Like, wh- why are you guys willing to come on my show? You know, and it just like, you know, it blows my mind. And um, and who am I? I mean, I barely graduated high school. I mean, I, I did. You know, if you look at my resume, there would be no resume because there's no there's nothing to put on there. I mean, I, there's you know, it's like it, so to me, it, it's it's uh, it shows how we can all like. I think there's a need and a desire for just, and and that's why I think Joe Rogan's show really caught a lot of attention. There's a need and desire just for casual conversation. Like just hearing people uh, talk the way we talk, like hearing people discuss ideas and challenging ideas the way we would with our friends. And uh, it, it's refreshing. And that's why I think this platform, when I started my podcast, a lot of people still didn't even know what a podcast was, friends of mine. And I'm like, I'm telling you, you might not believe me, but I'm like, this is the future of media. There, This thing's going to blow up. And I truly believed it because I understood TV was lying to you and they had agendas. Radio was lying to you and they had agendas. Newspapers were lying to you and they had agendas. A lot of websites, you know, were lying to you and they had agendas. But podcast was one of the few places where 
you could hear a long form conversation with somebody and you could figure out throughout that long form conversation if they had an agenda or if it was a real uh, conversation about just ideas. And uh, and that to me was refreshing and why I thought it really was going to be a, a huge thing. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I I really am not a fan of the interview style. Uh, I, I, I prefer to have conversations um, just like this. You and I didn't know each other from, from Adam, you know, but yet, I mean, it probably helps that we both have a podcast, but I mean, other than that, I mean, we, we are no different from anybody else that could stop on the street and have a conversation just like we're having. Um, I like to be an example of talking to somebody and, 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 and not particularly agreeing with what they're saying, but still giving them the respect to have their own opinion and maybe convince me that how they think about it may be correct. But at the, but at the end of it, it's like, okay, well, we don't have to argue about it. We don't have to talk over each other about it. We both give each other the space to, to be able to volley. And that's really what, that's really what conversation is. It's a, it's a, it's a tennis match. You know, it's just a volley of information back and forth, back and forth, you know, respecting one another as individuals and human beings above all that, you know, I could possibly learn something from you. And if you come at every conversation or every interaction with somebody that, you know, I possibly could learn something from this person. So let me give them the benefit of the doubt and hear them out. And then, you know, maybe, maybe not, you know, take in what's valid and get rid of the rest. Well, the truth is like, even people that I, uh, you know, maybe disagree with a hundred percent of the time, maybe I don't respect their opinions, uh, as much like you could still listen to them and they might still make a really valid point that you're like, holy shit. Like I never even thought about it that way. You know, there's a, you know, I know people that I'm just like, you know, I'm like, oh, this person's like very one-sided with their thinking or, or they're brainwashed or whatever. But then I have a conversation with them. They just happen, you know, because I'm willing to listen. Uh, they happen to make a point that I'm like, you know what? That is a very valid point. I'm like, I've never even thought about it that way. So it's like, you can, you can extract something worth, uh, wild from even people that you disagree with and and maybe you think have the majority of the way they look at things wrong you know so it's uh you know yeah can it be frustrating sometimes listening to somebody that you think is making no sense or or is brainwashed yeah but like you said like you can it doesn't mean that a topic as some specific topic or some specific thing they can't have a really interesting perspective on and uh so yeah i mean absolutely i agree with you yeah. Being, being an example of what conversation is supposed to be is really what I, what I, I strive to achieve. Um, so tell me a little bit about like, what's your, I mean, we're at an hour and 25. Are you good? You got, yeah, I, I got a couple more minutes. Yeah. Okay. Well, who, who were, uh, one of your influences that you can, uh, you know, think about that was probably the top of your list of, of when you decided to do this. Mine, mine was Rogan. I listened to him for about two years and then I went on to Andy Frisella and, uh, and they all talk about just do it, just do it, start it, whatever. And, you know, I was all, I always got stuck in the, uh, in the process and I would, instead of just looking at the next step, I would look at all of the steps that it would take for me to get to where I need to go and just shut down and not do it. 
Yeah, well, uh, one of my influences for the podcast itself was definitely uh, Rogan. I, I loved uh, I, I loved what he was doing. I loved the casual conversation. That's why, you know, you listen to my show. It's very similar in regards to uh, casual conversation. It's not an interview. Uh, uh, I remember when Jesse Ventura was on, he, his, uh, I don't know if it was his agent, manager, whoever it was that I was contacting, uh, wrote me an email like the, the morning of the show and they're like, hey, Jesse, these are the questions we want you to ask. This is what he wants to talk about, all this stuff. And I'm just like, wait, wait, wait. We've had the show booked for like a month. And like you guys, have you guys even listened to my show? <laughs> like, I don't I don't just ask questions. You know, I don't just do an interview style uh, a podcast. So I remember being at work and just stressing about it all day. I'm just like, what the fuck am I going to do? I'm like, am I going to piss him off if I if I don't, you know, just. I guess, promote whatever he wants to talk about or whatever. Uh, and then eventually I'm just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to do it my way. Worst case scenario, he never comes on the show again, you know? And, uh, and so I did it my way, just had a casual conversation and you could almost sense in the show that I was like refreshing and he was enjoying it. And that's something I get a lot. I mean, one thing you're going to find too, is that like a lot of guests are going to, you know, Jay Dyer on, I mean, a lot of these guys off air after they'll write me an email or write me a, a message telling me that they really enjoyed the, the conversation and, and the, the casualness of it. But I remember Jay Dyer at the end of our conversation, uh, Dennis McKenna, who's actually going to come on again uh, very soon. Like these guys, you know, they've, they've all said like, Oh, I love like the style of conversation. It's just a conversation. Like, it's not like, Hey, you're the guest, you're the expert. Tell me everything, you know, you know, and it's like, I'm just going to sit here and then, uh, you know, just, uh, record, uh, it, it is a back and forth. And it's like, like you said, it's a journey for the guests, the, the host, everybody gets something out of it. The listener, you know, everybody is growing together with these conversations. That's why I, I to, to get back to, uh, to what my, my influence is like Joe Rogan's podcast to me was so important because I've always loved conversations. Like, I feel like I learn the most from like long form conversations. If I'm, if I'm hanging out with some friends, having some whiskey, having a glass of wine, whatever it may be having long form conversations. And, uh, you know, uh, so I, I would have people that that would say like, oh, Ricky, you know, you everybody, you know, you like to talk, you know, everybody knows you like to talk. And, uh, and I'm like, I'm like, I actually don't enjoy talking that much. I enjoy conversation. Like if I'm around people where I'm like, you know, I know they're they're very one sided politically or or they're brainwashed. Some, I'll be actually quite quiet and I won't like engage in many conversations because to me, I'm like, I'm not going to get anything out of this. I'm just going to get frustrated and I'm not going to talk for just the sake of talking, you know. Um, but I love conversation. I have a passion for conversation because uh, even putting my thoughts out, like trying to like if I get asked a question or we're on a specific topic, me trying to figure out like where I stand on something during that process, I'm actually like not just sharing my thoughts, but I'm actually uh, figuring out my thoughts and, and, and trying to figure out where I stand on things. So um, I think you know, doing that is, is all super important. And that's what I got out of the Joe Rogan podcast was, it, you know, and but prior to that, like, you know, I had the early, you know, Jason Burmis, uh, Corbett, Alex Jones, you know, go real uh, back. I mean, it's hard for anybody in alternative media not to run into his work because he really was one of the, um, you know, best filmmakers in the alternative media world uh, in regards to putting together great documentaries. Uh, he really didn't, he would go down any rabbit hole uh, out there, um, obviously, historically, like people do say, like he kind of uh, gives, uh, you know, Israel a pass on a lot of their war crimes and stuff like that. But in regards to like a lot of domestic stuff and foreign policy uh, outside of that, he, uh, you know, he was one of the 
question everything and anything. And he, even though he would say some things that were kind of over the top, he also had a lot of great guests on there. I mean, a lot of guests that uh, people that I was a fan of uh, end up being, I mean, even James Corbett, you go back far enough, he was a guest initially on, on uh, Infowars. So he, you know, he was a big influence in the alternative media. I mean, obviously loose change, design guys, mm-hmm. all these things were, were huge influences of mine. So when I took the, you know, the, the influence of like casual conversation with interesting people and trying to provoke thought and, and really, you know, uh, understanding the importance of long form conversation. Uh, and then I took that with like my love of alternative media because it, it really helped me kind of figure out like how the world works and, and, and how things really are. Uh, then, you know, I, I kind of want to combine the two and Rogan at times would also do that, you know, but I just wanted to kind of take it to a, another notch because I used to have a lot more comedians and, and people on who weren't just alternative media. Um, and now I've, I've kind of got more and more into that and, and kind of, or I, I guess it just kind of led that way where I'm having more people who are in the alter, alternative media uh, realm. But, um, but I still think there's stuff to gain from conversations with all aspects of people. You know, it doesn't matter if you made a documentary or you have a YouTube channel or you just wrote some little book that, you know, uh, you published yourself with some really interesting uh, ideas. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I have people on, you know, that are popular and not so popular. And, and to me, it's all about like who's interesting and who can I have an interesting conversation with. And um so and then also some music, you know, one minute silence was like I call him the Irish Rage Against the Machine. Uh, the singer was on my show some years ago. Really interesting guy. Uh, you know, uh, Burton C. Bell from Fear Factory was on my show. Uh, you know, his music and just like he, the Fear Factory always uh, not always, but a lot of their themes was man against machine and and the future and, and transhumanism and all that stuff. So it's a, you know, a lot of different influences from like documentaries to to uh to movies to to uh or music um and and stuff like that but when it comes down to podcasts the f- the very first one that really um you know it, it connected the dots for me it's like okay well i think long form conversation is super important and i also think these topics you know if it's uh 911 the federal reserve um you know geopolitics and propaganda uh those topics are important. So you combine the two, you know, and, and, and that's what kind of like, okay, well maybe I could do a podcast. Maybe I can have these, these conversations and, and, and kind of, um, you know, take two things. I love alternative media and the power of long form conversation and bring them together. And, uh, you know, Rogan, I think was a, a huge influence on a lot of people. And he was, Dan Carlin was another one. He's a past guest who, uh, on my show. And, and, uh, and he was on, and I'm glad he was because I remember before I started my show, you would hear interviews with him and he would always say like, you'll be surprised how many people are willing to come on your show start a podcast, start a podcast. And I'm like, well, I hope he comes on my show because I'm, he's a big reason why I, I, uh, I started it because of the things he was saying. And he, and he did, he did a lot of interviews, uh, you know, during that time and, um, on smaller shows like myself. And so it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I, in regards to podcasts, I, I think I'm with you. I think Joe Rogan was the kind of like the the one that really and the fact that he was doing it you know he's doing it on a couch initially he was doing it like you didn't need it didn't make i I felt like i didn't need like a a beautiful youtube channel with beautiful artwork and beautiful uh you know uh, lights and cameras and all this stuff to put something out that people would be interested just in the conversation and all that other stuff yeah if you have it and you put some beautifully edited stuff together it's great but 
the most interesting thing was the conversation itself. And as long as I felt like I could, I could spark that. And if I had that to start with, everything else would fall into place. And, and in some cases, not even necessary. Yeah. I mean, all, yeah, all, all of the shiny, shiny things that you can do around your show really isn't going to make a matter, make a whole lot of difference if you don't have the content to back it up. And like we exactly. were talking, we were talking about earlier where, you know, you have, maybe you have some sound issues. Well, good content trumps everything, you know? Yeah. I, well, well, we'll find out when I put out my, my next show that I was spent all afternoon yesterday uh, working on because, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you, man. But my other thing is too, is like, I have a bunch of shows right around the corner and I'm sure you, you, you run into this where it's like, well, if I put this one behind and especially now with current events, like, are always brought up on these shows. So like if I wait like two months from now to put it out or I wait a month from now and I procrastinate on it, it might not even be relevant. Some of the things we're talking about, you know, yeah. so it just, or it might not make sense, you know, or so, uh, or it might be wrong on some things. Cause like we say, we were constantly growing on these shows and as we talk about them, we're going to uh, learn more. So it, it is, uh, you know, it, I, I truly feel the same way. I did a show using my phone once I was in the, just the backyard with some friends, uh, smoking some cigars, having some whiskey, and uh, and I, I really got caught up in that culture because of the fact that I feel like the just the whole process of sitting down, trying different whiskeys or whatever it may be that you drink, IPAs, whatever, whatever you're into, um, having a cigar or whatever it may be, or even hookah. Like I like hookah, like anything that forces you to sit down and just relax and enjoy each other's company and put your phones aside and kind of uh, pay attention to your senses, uh, smells, taste, that type of stuff to me is really important. And, um, and one time, you know, I'm with my friends, I'm like, fuck it. I'm just going to record this conversation or our little hangout on my phone. If the audio is good, I'll maybe use it. If it doesn't, then who cares? You know? And uh, I recorded it and then I'm, and I'm like, you know what? The audio is not too bad. I'm like, fuck it. I'm just going to, you know, release it. And I had good feedback and, and nobody, you know, in the beginning of the show, I'm like, Hey, if the audio sucks, sorry. And, uh, and everybody's like, no, it was good enough to listen to. And, and, uh, so it's like, I almost didn't put it out because of the quality, but yet in that hour, two hour conversation, there might be some really interesting thought provoking content that somebody might've missed out on all because I was worried about the quality, you know? So it's, uh, you know, I think sometimes we do as as podcasters or perfectionists or whatever it may be, uh, we have to kind of like stop ourselves. You hear w w with uh, musicians a lot, you know, they'll, they'll edit something, re-edit something, remix something. You know, I remember when I was doing music, I would spend fucking forever just like, oh, that bass drum, it's just like, it's a little low. And then I put it up and I'm, I'm like, oh, it sounds good. And I hear it in a different, you know, I would listen to things with headphones, different headphones, different stereo systems in my car. And I'm like, I just got to accept <laughs> that it's not going to sound the way I want it to and everything. And, um, and I would like go back and remix it and then re put it out and then like listen to it again. And then it was just like, it would drive yourself crazy. And then after a while, you're just like, I have to just accept like, okay, like pick something and just let it go. Cause I, I could just drive myself crazy, just constantly remixing it, changing it. And I might never be happy. You know, I never, you know, so it just goes, I mean, just kind of ties into what we've been talking about. Like there is something good in being content with things like being content with things is just means appreciating what you have. You know, it doesn't have to mean being a lazy fuck that doesn't do anything. Like you can, yeah, you can be content with that too. But you know what? Who am I to say that that's the wrong lifestyle either? You know, like if you're just happy and at peace with whatever you have, that's good, you know, because the alternative is driving yourself crazy over everything, you know, and never finding happiness, you know? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're absolutely right, man. I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, you know, one of the things that I've I've really taken uh, or kind of championed, and and I think that it, it is, uh, and I'm switching direction just a little bit here because we're going to wrap this up. Um, but is uh, criminal justice reform and somebody who's been uh, behind the wall, uh, spent three years in prison, state and federal, uh, and and seeing some of the injustices that get carried out. And I mean, a lot of the general public doesn't understand, um, you know, the what the war on drugs actually did. And I spent a lot of time with uh, these people, you know, uh, individual. I'm going to say people, but these uh, other individuals that were caught up in a in a you know victimless crime, basically um, a nonviolent offense, uh, and they're getting exorbitant amounts of time in the federal system um, for drugs. Uh, and, and drugs that they don't have, uh, evidence for. So on a conspiracy, on a conspiracy charge, I could have sold a kilo to you five years ago. I stopped doing it, went on with my life. And now I'm, you know, no longer in that game. You are, you still went on to continue to do it and you get busted in order for you to get a downward departure in time, you start cooperating with the uh, federal government, right? And you name my name. Well, there's no evidence. There's no drugs. There's nothing other than a criminal's word that this took place. And that alone can get you in prison. And you can't fight it because it's conspiracy. Because you can't can't prove conspiracy, right? They got you dead to rights. A lot of people, they, they think that, you know, oh my God, I'm, I, I can beat this because there's no, there's no anything, right? There's no, there's no evidence. There's no drugs. There's nothing. So they go to take it to trial. They get offered 10 years. All right. Well, you didn't catch me with anything. So I'm not going to say yes to 10 years. You go to trial. Now you end up losing and they give you 20, 30 years. Sometimes people get life. I've talked to a bunch of guys uh, that have gotten 20, 20 years, 33 years. There's a woman right now that I interviewed from, uh, you know, she's locked up in uh, Wasika, I think up in Minnesota, which is a federal uh, detention or a federal uh, compound. And she got 33 years at best. She's a high level addict, not a, not a high level drug kingpin, you know, and this is, I think, you know, partly it's low hanging fruit. They're poor people. They can't fight the system and they get thrown in there and they, they go to work for Unicor, which is the prison industrial complex. So I don't know. You tell me, is it, you know, getting, ensuring that you have labor for years to, to manufacture your goods that you're selling uh, at a dollar an hour for the labor on that? You know, it just, it seems really, really funny to me, um, that how, how it kind of connects. And so I've been talking to a lot of formerly incarcerated people, uh, other individuals that are jumping into, uh, trying to help people that are, are reentering because prison doesn't reform you. Prison doesn't help you. It doesn't rehabilitate you. Doesn't give you any classes. I mean, some of them do, but I mean, the facilities that have, 
courses and and stuff like that that will actually transfer when you get out are few and far between and it literally takes you years you know to be able to get to those institutions and waiting lists and stuff like that i mean it's not an easy task unless you're actually sent there from the gate um so that's part of of what i'm doing and trying to bring light to uh and and you know in in my journey and plight to make a difference you know in a lot of different areas and my podcast is i you know i it started out being bottoms and life struggles and how my guests get through them you know because of my journey and you know starting from zero three times and almost dying five times and you know all this stuff related to my you know drug use and and being a a, an addict and a dealer and you know just not wanting to uh, conform to society's rules so that's just that's kind of where i'm at you know if you uh ever want to talk to somebody or you know about prison reform uh or criminal justice reform i had a really good uh uh interview i think on thursday with a uh a guy that was a prosecutor for uh 13 years public defender for six years uh an attorney for 23 years total and he just, we just, he just kind of broke it down, you know, what some of the problems in the system are. And, and a lot of them are unintended consequences of, 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 you know, policies and, and, you know, uh, office, uh, culture, um, the win win culture, you know, and, uh, you, you know, cause we think things are nefarious when we're in this, when we're in this, uh, space, right. in the, in the, the truth space, you know, everything is, is, is done nefariously. And, and, you know, so, sometimes it is, but I think sometimes the nefariousness is just an unintended consequence of something else. And so it's really, yeah, it's so easy to jump on. Oh, well, it's a conspiracy, you know, but if you, if you really talk to somebody who's in the space, and they explain it to you like, eh, yeah, I could see how that, I could see how it looks that way, but think about it this way. You know, when you come from a culture of, you know, win, 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 you know, uh, that, uh, Keanu Reeves and, uh, Al Pacino movie, The Devil's Advocate, you know, lawyers, they're just trained to win most of the time. You win at all costs, right? And so, anyways. I, I get off on tangents too, so <laughs> which is a, a a good uh thing to have if you're a podcaster. It fills up the time. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> and, no dead air. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I I think uh you know I completely agree with you. I think uh you know prisons are one of those things where I mean obviously if people know the Rick Rick Ross story, um you know he he basically created the crack epidemic with drugs that the government were flying in and uh. And yet crack was you're doing more time for crack than you were doing coke because the majority of people doing crack were poor people. Majority of people doing coke were people who had money uh, and not, you know, and, and white people who, who, were, who were doing coke most of the time and could afford it. So it was obvious that they were trying to lock up people, you know, uh, minorities. They were justifying it. They were uh, creating one parent households, which the likelihood of the, the kids succeeding and getting out of poverty are much less. Uh, chances of kids end up uh, ending up in prison are much higher. Um, I mean, there's so many things, you know, I, uh, the lead, 
you know, in, in, in New York, uh, uh, apartments and stuff like that, you know, uh, the lead paint, you know, like they, they saw when they finally banned all that, um, the crime rate went down, you know? So it's like, there's all these aspects of the system that it's like, well, if you just work hard, you'll be fine. And, and you'll, you have, everybody has the, the same fair chance. It's like, not really, you know, like some people get to start off on, on second base, third base. And some people are, you know, are not even in the game yet, you know? So it's like, it, it it's not the same for everybody. I think it's really easy, especially now with like the, the black lives matter movement and all that stuff for people to be, very anti black lives matter movement and being like, Oh, you know, um, everybody kind of gets a fair chance. We're not inherently racist or whatever. But I think when you dissect things, even though that movement, you know, it, it seems like it's been, uh, infiltrated and used for political reasons. It doesn't mean the, like it, the, is it, if the system is inherently racist or is there's aspects of the system that are inherently racist, it doesn't mean that that uh, conversation doesn't exist or shouldn't exist. It doesn't mean that there aren't aspects that are absolutely true. I mean, you look at the history of eugenics, uh, you look at, you know, there, I mean, scientists, you know, would have studies published saying that white people were smarter than you know and in some cases they were considered other white people not what you know uh, a dumber like the irish or italians or whatnot um but you know it, it's it, it's classism you know that's the most dangerous thing you know it's it's the rich against the poor it doesn't matter what color you are it doesn't matter what you know that's really the battle we should all be fighting i mean are, is there parts of of um you know uh, uh racism just in like other different tribes yeah i mean i'm portuguese right and and i'm from the main the mainland but there you know we have an island you know islands off the coast of portugal called the azores if i go to a party and it's just me and another portuguese person from the azores we'll probably connect right but if i'm at a if we're the only portuguese people there but if i'm at a party and there's you know, 50% people from the island, 50% people from the mainland, we immediately go to those tribes, you know, and, and say, well, they're not really Portuguese. You know, they, they talk a little different. They, they, uh, they, they, they make that type of food wrong or whatever it may be. So we're constantly joining tribes and, 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 uh, you know, pointing the fingers at other tribes. You know, there's some type of, a you know, maybe not racism and maybe not specifically because of race, but we separate ourselves for uh, plenty of other reasons. And, um, so yeah, I mean, it, but yeah, j prison is without a doubt. I mean, you throw people in for unviolent, uh, things and they become violent because that's how they survive. Um, they, they learn to maybe be, you know, uh, uh, I, I guess, do things that are morally incorrect or, or wrong in, in, you know, in the real world. But once they're in that prison atmosphere, it's it. Uh, and, and, you know, there's also effects on the psyche of people who work at these prisons because, yep. you know, uh, people who work there without a doubt, when you're only seeing the shitheads, you're only seeing the worst of the world, you almost forget there's good in the world. And I know a lot of people who work at, uh, you know, there's a Ludlow jail. I live in Ludlow, Massachusetts. There's a Ludlow jail. And I know people work there who say it, they can find themselves in some cases being racist, you know, like becoming racist or, or, or finding like having to catch themselves because they're judging people based on race more than they ever did because of the fact that like, okay, I'm dealing with, uh, um, you know, just these shitheads and, and without a doubt, like prisons are filled more with, with minorities than others. Um, but, 
you know, it's not as simple as it's just because they're bad people. It's because of the system we designed. We, we, like I said, like look at the crack, uh, coke, uh, um, uh, sentencing. Like you're gonna do time. You know, if if you're doing crack, you, you know, if you do coke, it's a uh, slap on the wrist. Uh, you know, they've done studies on if you're a minority, if you're non-white, uh, the chances of you. Uh, doing time for the exact same thing that a white person will get off on or higher, you know? So it's just, it, 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 it's not as simple as like, Oh, look, you know, they're always, they're the ones who are filling up our prisons. It's like, yeah, but why, you know, and this goes to like every issue, like let's get to the root cause of things. Let's not just look at the surface. Let's keep asking why keep taking steps backwards and try to figure out, okay, why, you know, it's no different than like health, right? Like, okay, I could have knee pain, you know, and I could just take a and say, oh, it's, you know, it's because I have bad knees, you know, or it could be because of like I'm eating food that are, is causing inflammation. Maybe it's because I'm overweight or whatever it may be. And um, but, you know, every, almost every aspect of our system is like, well, here's a pill for the pain, you know, and it's that and they simplify things. You know, it's just it's just pain. Here's the pill for the pain. And um, and they don't get to the root cause. And, and I think a lot of our social issues we need to like ask the question why how how did we get here we tr retrace your steps and figure out okay why is it like this you know because it you know it wasn't always like this or maybe it was always like this and, and somebody designed it like this but we need to ask those reasons it's not as simple as like you know because at the bottom line i mean kids are taught racist racism kids are taught uh morals kids are taught um, every good and bad aspect of, of humans. So if a kid ends up in prison, you know, is it really his fault or is he just a product of his environment? You know, is it really, um, you know, and, and that's the thing we have to ask. Like if I was raised by some shit, yeah, and Rogan uh, has said this, so I'm sure people who listen to Rogan uh, has heard him say similar things where, you know, if I was raised by his parents and his environment, or maybe a lack of parents, maybe his grandparents, and 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 you know had some drug addict uh, mother or whatever, dad's in prison. Like, would I be him, and would he be me if he, if he was in my shoes? And uh, and I think in many cases, it probably you know it probably is the case. You know, there's those every kid that's born, you know, they they they're not bad, they're not uh, morally uh, bad people, or you know, you can't tell by birth like, hey, they're going to become a a uh you know life-changing uh politician who who uh you know has all these ideas and whatever and changes the system or he's going to be some drug addict who's going to end up in prison it's like it's all consuming the environment around you and, and your influences and whatever influences you and and that molds who you are and who you become and this goes back to why parenting so damn important yep. because we're all adding to that we're all a part of that you know so um, I forgot what your question was because I go on these long rants, but <laughs> no, no, no. I, hope I answered it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that that's you know you 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 pretty much got it. Um, you know, and I, I'm a perfect example of that because I grew up. You know, all of my dad's side are all law enforcement. Uh, my uncle was uh, a in in law enforcement. My dad was. My grandmother was one of the first female police officers in Berkeley PD. Uh, my other uncle was a, uh, correctional officer in, uh, in San Quentin. So, I mean, I went the complete opposite direction. And the reason why I did is that I was a latchkey kid and I had no supervision. I had very minimal, minimal male role models in my life. And I was basically could do whatever I wanted. You know, when my mom was working in San Francisco and I spent hours 
hours at home doing nothing. You know, she put me on restriction. Okay. No one's here to enforce it. Uh, so I'm going to do what I want. And you know, when you come home, then that's when I'll, I'll be home like maybe a half hour before you get there. And oh yeah, I've been here all the whole time, you know? And so I just, it just, you know, what I learned from there just carried on through adulthood until, you know, it got to a point where I realized I had to change something because I didn't like, I didn't like the person I'd become. So it really definitely does come down to how you raise your children and making sure that they are good human beings, uh, when you, when they leave you and we'll continue that on, uh, with their children. And, you know, that's where we need to start. You know, some people can, some people can change, you know, I'm an example of that. Uh, and I still struggle sometimes with, uh, with things, you know, I don't, I'm not always the nicest person in the world. Um, you know, but I recognize that at the end of the day, when I'm doing a a checklist of, all right, well, you know, did I do anything today that I'm going to have to apologize for tomorrow? And that's really how I I go through life now. Cause I want to, make sure that I don't want to have to apologize for something tomorrow that I did yesterday because that's embarrassing. And it, you know, it's not, I mean, it's, it's, it's about, it's, it's a part of the growth process, but I mean, if you can eliminate that and you know that you have these things that, you know, maybe, you know, might affect people, then, you know, why not try to make your experience with me as positive as possible to where I'm not going to have to uh, apologize for it tomorrow. And, you know, we get something out of it instead of, ah, that guy's a, a fucking asshole, man. I don't ever want to talk to him again. He's just, you know, his, you get it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I mean, we should always strive to improve every day and, and try to, uh, and acknowledging your flaws. I mean, we're all flawed in different ways. I mean, I, I lose my temper sometimes with my kids and I've, generally feel bad about it to the point where like you know i apologize and i'm like listen you know i uh you know i shouldn't have got that mad at you uh or whatever you know you 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 know you have a moment of weakness you know and that's just a part of it and and i think that as long as you're willing to acknowledge it and you truly are working on it not just saying you're working on it because i think a lot of people say oh yeah I'm, i'm working on it and what they're really doing is just constantly saying they're working on it to, and, and making the same mistakes over and over again. It's like, okay, you're not really working on it. You're just saying it because it, it's your way of me accepting uh, your flaws without actually working on your flaws. Um, but uh, yeah, acknowledging it is step one, acknowledging it. And then, you know, just try to approve on it. We're all going to, we're all human. We have so many things that influence uh, why your fuse might be uh, shorter one day to another, uh, why you handle something maybe differently uh, than you wanted to. And it could be a lack of sleep, work stress, um, uh, so many different things, lack of exercise, nutrition. I mean, so many things affect the way we, we deal with things that, uh, you know, it, it, it just, you're even the most, I mean, sometimes I see people who are like super calm and, uh, like for example, Ozark, right? Like yeah, yeah. he is so calm during the most stre- stressful situations <laughs> that, uh, I, I, I'm envious to him. I'm just like thinking to myself, I'm like, if I was him, I'd want to believe I could say that calm and keep everybody together. But the truth is I'd probably be fucking screaming and swearing <laughs> and, uh, every, every time somebody messed up and I'd be like, you, you did that. What the fuck were you thinking? You know, like I just, you know, it, 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 it and I'm sure people like that exist, you know, but it, even people like that, you know, it, it takes time. It takes work. It takes, 
um, some, some, uh, some serious like emotional strength and we are emotional creatures. You know, that's one aspect of, of us that I think we ignore sometimes. We like to think we're all just logical. We just look at information and we come up with these logical decisions on what information makes sense or not. But we have everything from childhood trauma to, to different influences on our lives that uh, affect emotionally how we react to certain ideas or, or whatnot. And we have to take that all in consideration. Yeah, and, and just to uh, contextualize that, you were talking about Jason Bateman's uh, character in the Netflix series Ozarks. And yep. he is a good example of somebody who uh, doesn't react emotionally but responds intelligently. And Yeah, no I- – I know, I know a guy who works for a construction company that, uh, that I actually, um, we do some work, uh, with sometimes and he's like that. He like, he's always super calm and super like, you know, and we talk about it. I'm like, you know, I'm like, it, your way of thinking is, is awesome because getting stressed out about something doesn't resolve the problem. So like it, the first step should be like, okay, how do we resolve the problem? Not like, let me get upset about it. Then how do we resolve the problem? You know? And uh, so it, it's, you know, some people are like that. Some people, I mean, he might be really good at just faking it. I mean, maybe, you know, once I'm not around or, or there's certain situations where he's throwing shit too and he has a moment of weakness. But, uh, but you know, people like that, it, it is, uh, you know, I am envious of them because I, you know, I am a, a emotional person per se in regards to, uh, you know, I, I, I'm very aware of my emotions. I try to be aware of them because I, I understand that they can influence the way I look at things or, or how I feel or what I think. Uh, but, uh, yeah, when you see people like that, I'm just like, how, how do they do it? You know, and I'm, and I'm curious on, on, you know, can they, do they, do they slip up too? you know, do they, uh, you know, kind of like an addict, right. You know, addict would, would, um, seems emotionally strong, but one little th- trigger, you know, and next thing you know, they're, uh, they're, they're losing it again. It, I wonder if it's uh, similar to that, but, uh, but you know, we're, we're all human. We're all going to make mistakes. And as long as I think we constantly attempt to, to improve every day, like if you're not consciously thinking about that and, and it's not even a thought that goes through your head, uh, on a daily basis, then, you know, you probably one day are going to look in the mirror and be like, maybe I'm not as good of a, uh, a father as I thought I was. Maybe I'm not as good of a friend as I thought I was. Maybe I'm not the the person that i think i am because it's it's really easy for humans to judge others and and not spend any time judging themselves and and uh and i think that's just one of the flaws of of humans couldn't have said it better myself man so we're gonna go ahead and wrap this up it's two hours i could probably talk to you forever you know i mean there's tons of other (laughs) things that i i'd like to talk to you about i mean we didn't even touch on on epstein and and maxwell uh which is a huge thing that's going on right now but what maybe that's something we'll we'll delve into at some point down the road if uh if you ever want to come back on the show or you know yeah absolutely something like that so is there anything that you want to plug that isn't already appearing on the uh banner or anything like that uh i guess uh is this going to be available pretty quickly I'm, i'm assuming um, yeah, well, I'll probably throw it. I'll just, uh, throw the, the podcast part on just because, uh, you know, it's already on Facebook live. It's already on YouTube, uh, um, yeah, yeah. going to there. So yeah, I'll probably throw this up here pretty quick cause I'm not going to do a whole lot of editing to it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll put it on. I have a interviews playlist on my YouTube channel. I'll throw this, uh, interview on, on there and, and also, if people are listening to it before Monday the twentieth, we're doing another Union of the Unwanted uh, live stream, which uh, 
you know, it's me, Sam Tripoli, Charlie Robinson, and then uh, Midnight Mike from uh, the OBDM podcast. Uh, we're planning on doing it every other Monday. Uh, we skipped up Monday because uh, Mike was actually in the process of moving from, um, and so we had to set up the studio again. But uh, keep just follow us on social media, and that way you can get the live links because all those are going to be live streamed on uh, D Live and and YouTube on Mike's uh, uh, OBDM uh, YouTube channel, and uh, and they're fun. And every every week is going to be different guests. It's going to be you know probably more than likely always us four, and then just random people like Jason Burmis and uh, this Monday I think uh, Whitney Webb and uh, and Ryan from the Last American Vagabond are gonna uh, possibly join us and and who knows who else so I just throw out the invite to a bunch of friends that we've made uh, throughout the, the alternative media community and uh, just have casual conversation and, and bring a bunch of different perspectives to uh, to to different issues or whatnot so uh, definitely check out for that check out for that and thanks Sean for for uh, being you know being a, a great host and, and having this long deal with my long rants uh, <laughs> and um, and then you know hopefully we definitely talk again and good luck with everything man keep reaching out to people I think you'll be surprised uh, how many people come on the show and uh and i love the fact that you're doing this and and these these are type of podcasts i i love so uh you know i really hope it it keeps growing thank you man i appreciate it and i appreciate that everything that you're doing out there especially with the union of the one wanted and and all of the stuff that you're bringing to light and uh you know you keep up the good work as well and uh i'll continue to follow you and listen to you guys thanks thanks sean hey enjoy the rest of your day and uh, we'll keep in touch all right brother thank you hey take care Thank you for listening to the show. Thanks, Ricky. Appreciate you coming on my show and uh, taking the time to talk to me and get to know me as well as me getting to know you. All of our information will be in the show notes. Don't forget, check out the trailer for the con and stay tuned for uh, more updates. Uh, you know, the week of August 3rd, uh, more will be coming out uh, from me about this. Also, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform. That's the easiest and cheapest way for you to be able to support this show. I don't have a whole lot more um, other than uh, if you were on the show and waiting for your episode to come out, I've got a huge queue of about 30 people. And, you know, part of this is my fault because I shouldn't have done what I did in the way that I did it. Um, you know, the, the, the interviewing portion of this, aside from doing some of the research on the guest is the easiest part of what I do. Um, you know, I just kind of, it, it snowballed and I just ran with it. And now I'm looking at a mountain, uh, that I need to climb. And also the, all of these other things that are coming into my purview, uh, you know, that are, are important and need to be covered as well. So, you know, uh, don't bite off more than you can chew when it comes to stuff like that, because I'm sure that there's people that were excited to, to be on the show and, you know, are waiting for their episode to come out. And if you are one of those people and you're listening, I, I, I really apologize. And, uh, I'm going to do my best to try to get these out. I've, I've cut out a lot of what I'm doing, uh, in the editing portion of this, just so, so I can move through things a little bit quicker. So just know that, you know, you are on my mind and I am, you know, I'm sorry that, uh, I, that this happened, but, uh, you know, just know that my heart is in the right place 
and the things that I have been covering are things that I feel that are very important for for people to uh, to be able to see and and notice um, if they haven't. So, yeah, I mean that's it. Uh, until next time, keep it one hundred. Stay true to yourself. Everything else is just noise. Uh-huh.